0: Hello there, everybody, and welcome to HPAC on the air, monthly podcast of HPAC Engineering Magazine. This is Rob McManamy, I'm editor in chief of HPAC Engineering, and, and welcome to the show. Our guest this month, and we're actually recording this during the annual Engineers Week celebration. Uh, but our so our uh, guest is an engineer, Kent Peterson, mechanical engineer, and the owner and COO of P2S Inc, consulting engineering firm in uh, in Long Beach, California. Kent's the past president of Ashray, from 2007-2008, uh, but we're talking to him in his new capacity today as the new chairman of Ashray's key task force on uh, on building decarbonization, which is now in its second year. So, uh, so Ken, thanks very much for joining us this month. Um, I wonder, hopefully, you could tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and uh, your history with Ashray and and how you came to to chair this uh, this vital task force.
1: So, welcome. Absolutely, thank you, Rob. First, let me say you know I'm honored to join you and your listeners on your podcast today and talk about this important subject of decarbonization. I've been a consulting engineer in the building and infrastructure sector my entire career, and my identical twin brother and I founded P2S back in 1991. We're now grown to a 300-person consulting engineering firm, head all up and down the west coast of the United States, and I'm lucky in my day job to work with some pretty passionate engineers who really care about the environment and understand the many challenges we face in our industry. I joined ASHRAE as a student member back when I was in the university and been fortunate to be able to work with some of the best and brightest people throughout my career in ASHRAE. I've donated extensive time through my career. Um, I've been honored and fortunate to be able to do that uh, to help advance energy efficiency and sustainability in our industry. As you mentioned, I had the honor to serve as ASHRAE president back in 2007, 2008. My theme in that year was greater efficiency today, blue skies tomorrow. And even 15 years ago, we were starting to talk about the impacts of climate change and what the building industry needed to start looking to do as we moved into the future. I did chair ASHRAE Standard 189.1, the High Performance Building Standard Committee when it was published in 2010. That now is known today as the International Green Construction Code. I've also served on the Federal Government Green Building Advisory Committee from 2011 to 2022. I co-chaired the Federal Building Decarbonization Task Group last year, while I served on the ASHRAE Task Force for Building Decarbonization. Uh, I was asked uh, to actually take over and chair the task force for ASHRAE this year. And it's you know an honor to be able to work with so many great thought leaders on this subject matter. Well, well,
0: great. And, and thank you uh, again for, for joining us here. At- um, just th- this past June, I see Ashray um, had published its first uh, position document on building decarbonization. I, I think it was the first. Can you please provide a, uh, I guess, a high-level summary of Ashray's uh, positions in that document and and how well it was received by the the Ashray members, uh, perhaps even just at the at the most recent winter meeting.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're really excited about it. And you're correct, it is the first position document ASHRAE has published on building decarbonization. We had a previous position document on climate change also. But ASHRAE's position is relatively simple. Eliminating greenhouse gas emissions from the built environment is essential to address climate change. And we're on board with the fact by 2030, the global built environment needs to have the 2015 greenhouse gas emissions. And we're saying right now by 2050, the entire building sector, meaning all new and all existing buildings really need to be net zero greenhouse gas emissions across the whole life cycle. We considered a lot of possibilities in working on this position document and got the ASHRAE board to adopt several additional positions. Uh, One is very important for us and that is that any building decarbonization strategies and policies need to consider healthy, safe and comfortable environments, Uh, the environmental and social impact, sustainability, resilience, and economics. Uh, we realize economics is extremely important as we start to move forward on this. And I'll talk a little bit more about this um, on some of the other questions today. But increasing stringency and enforcement of energy codes is also gonna be really critical as we look across the globe to be able to impact decarbonization. It's a worldwide problem. So this is this is another aspect of that. Uh, whole life building carbon is, is what we're considering as an organization to be essential. And when I talk about whole life, we're talking not only about operational carbon reduction, we're talking about embodied carbon reduction. So we look at both components and say, it really matters the total carbon picture when we're talking about built environment uh, options and alternatives, we need to be looking at that both for new construction and for retrofits. And then another one that's also worth mentioning is that ASHRAE feels strongly that building performance standards should be considered as a policy tool for mandating existing building decarbonization. And, that is, and that's, that's also been coming out, I guess,
0: well, we'll get to it a little bit later, the, the position document and, um, and other information, I guess, that you
1: presented at the, uh, the mid-year meeting. Absolutely. Um, and you, you ask, you know, how was this accepted by the ASHRAE membership? It overwhelmingly was embraced. I mean, we certainly have some outliers, I mean, some climate change deniers, and right. they, they are in a, a very small minority now. Um, I think most of the industry understands that the owners and the governments, the agencies they're working for are asking for these solutions, and they're, they're glad to see the ASHRAE fully engaged and have plans on providing this information to them in the future.
0: Now, from that international aspect, and certainly ASHRAE is an international organization, now last fall, the, uh, I guess, the, well, the United Nations, uh, just in November, I think, or October, the, the, the COP27 meeting convened in Egypt. And uh, which was something that we discussed here in our December uh, podcast with USGBC's uh, Elizabeth Beardsley. She had said that one prevailing theme there uh, this time, I guess even uh, even more urgently than the year before, was that the time is is now for for making things happen, and that the, the the clock is ticking. So, how does that even greater sense of urgency, I guess, affect the work of the of the task force now? How do you communicate, and how do you communicate that to the other ASHRAE members uh, and ultimately to those building owners, as receptive as, as they may be, uh, do you still have to kind of ratchet up the urgency?
1: Absolutely. I mean, Elizabeth was correct. I mean, the urgency every year that goes on, it's get, becoming much more urgent for action. So if I was to say last decade was a time for realization of global climate change issues, and it was a time when you know, many awakened in our building industry to the issue and started to make decarbonization commitments in the future this decade's been more about people that made those commitments now stating what do we do to act on those commitments and this is the time for action where people are saying we now need to move to start to decarbonize and decarbonize is not it's not black and white it's a journey that we're going to go through to get to these goals over a period of time but what we can do to start ratcheting down our energy consumption our carbon emission consumptions to educate The building industry relative to embodied carbon and and operational carbon and refrigerant emissions and everything that goes along with all of this is going to make a difference in the long run and on getting the momentum that we need in order to accomplish these goals. Uh, The task force has really been out collaborating with many other organizations representing the entire building value chain. I mean, working with real estate owners, developers, building managers, architects, Uh, engineers and sustainability professionals and through their professional organizations we're we're trying to get a collaborative together in the building industry where everyone's kind of on the same page to help harmonize what our message is to all of our members and be able to accomplish these difficult goals that we have before us
0: Now, i guess in previous actually just about a year ago i think we had a a podcast then was with the uh uh, the new co-chairs tom phoenix and and Don Coliver. And that was, I guess, at, at pretty much right around the launch of the uh, the task force. So could you just update us in general, I guess, on how maybe the task force has changed or the work of the past year and and uh, maybe what your goals are for, uh, is it just for one year or what, how, how is your, your term of office set, I guess, now, now that you're at the helm?
1: Um, well, I, I could tell you, history is always good to understand and how this thing started. I mean, I think they emphasized last year how important it was. Ashray realized that you know, we really need to put a strong effort forth and do a force multiplier with all of our volunteer efforts within ASHRAE in order to really address building decarbonization. And it was kind of the first year. And so if if I was to say the first year was really to gather industry thought leaders, brainstorm and understand the various aspects of building decarbonization, what knowledge existed in our our industry, um, what were some of the potential knowledge gaps that were out there and what did we need to actually do? We use that first year to really build the knowledge base and it's as i said before it's essential for everyone to understand we're on a journey it's not that tomorrow we have to have the solutions but we need to start building the solution sets we need the innovation over the next three decades in order to accomplish uh these 2050 goals of having the entire existing and and new construction all being net zero carbon you know no one has all the answers today and there's going to be substantial innovation that's going to be needed to accomplish this both affordably and equitably. I mean, it's not just a matter of carbon's the only thing we're measuring. There's other factors that go into a lot of this. Uh, we met last spring after getting a lot of this knowledge base together to strategize. And I'm one of I'm one of these people that really believe strongly in strategy and execution need to kind of marry with each other. And it was important enough for us to have strategy as we started to move forward with all the information we did so we're using strategy to inform our execution arm of the task force we have a strategic group on the task force that does nothing but think strategy they're they're industry thought leaders uh, that are well balanced across the industry that really in, do this we also go out and have global advisory panels uh, where we're actually meeting with other organizations that are outside the united states saying this is what we're doing what are you doing how can we work together what you know how do we how do we leverage the two groups together or or all the groups that we're getting together so right now, you know, we've decided and we put a plan in action. That plan last spring uh, culminated at the June meeting with a plan that went to the board for approval. That was a, about a couple million dollar investment on the power of Ashray, mm-hmm. along with a lot of volunteer resources that needed to go along with it. We still have roughly 160 uh, volunteers in Ashray that are working on the task force and the deliverables. But right now, this includes developing seven building decarbonization design guides. It includes education, training, a decarbonization website to disseminate knowledge, uh, social media presence to get the message out to our members and others in the industry. And we're also decarbonizing key ASHRAE standards as we start to move forward. We've already published our first guide, a technical resource guide on building performance standards. That's available for free on our website. For people that are interested on what building performance standards are going to mean as the U.S. starts using this policy tool to encourage existing building owners to improve the performance of their existing buildings. Other decarbonization guides are going to include development of of heat pump applications, how-to guide for existing buildings, because they're very different from from new buildings in terms of decarbonization, whole-life carbon for building systems or MEP systems, building grid interface design guide on how to actually interface a building with with the electric grid, to use the time and thermal storage strategies and demand strategies. And then we have a special guide that's a hospital guide. We wanted to take a, a heavy energy intensive type structure like a hospital and say, if we can do a decarb guide for hospitals, then it's going to be easier to say how we can decarb other types of things. And all these things are are coming together. They're all in the works. Uh, we're mm-hmm. moving fast. We have separate working groups on each one of these guides that are Developing, and we have three more guides that will be coming out before the end of this year, and then the last re- three remaining guides are scheduled to come out uh, by June of next year. Okay, and so that and that's that's the uh,
0: the efforts you're talking about on on the key building industry standards. I guess the, that that was part of the unless there's other uh, no no the,
1: this is this is these are technical resource guides. Obviously, okay. everyone knows okay. ASHRAE for our for our standards. Our standard 90.1, standard 189.1. You know, building energy audits. I mean, we we write a lot of industry standards, and so there's also a whole separate effort that the task force has been working with our standards project committees and the standards committee, in order to get decarbonization into those standards. Um, if you're interested, I mean, I can tell you that you know, to hit some of the targets we talked about on our position, mm-hmm. we realize that ASHRAE standard 90.1 is going to have to get to zero carbon by 2030. And so we have three code cycles left. Right now, their target is they're going to do it by 2031. Just happens to be where the third code, the three-year code cycle hits. Mm -hmm. But they're they're also coming out right now and working on a jurisdictional option for zero carbon that'll be out by the end of this year. So for any jurisdictions that want to be the leaders, that's Mm -hmm. going to be out out published at the end of 2023. 90.2 is our residential building energy efficiency standard. They've taken, they don't want to be the minimum standard. So they want to be a REACH standard now, and they're already moving halfway towards net zero energy by the end of 2023 And their, their publication. They're also creating a zero energy and zero carbon as an informative appendix in the 2023 uh, publication. And their goal is to actually have their standard be zero carbon and zero energy by 2025. So not just an informative appendix, but if someone wants to adopt that whole standard, it'll be 2025. It's a lot of other things. I mean, our standard 100 has been traditionally for existing buildings and energy performance in existing buildings. We now are modifying that standard to be our building performance standard to address both energy and greenhouse gas emissions to kind of go along with what building performance happening with building performance standards in the industry. We've also gone to our standard uh, 211 previous uh, committee members, and that's our standard that talks about ASHRAE energy audits, so level one, level two, level three, which is kind of the standard in our industry. And we said we need to now modify that standard and also provide decarbonization assessments. And so they've already gone and developed a document that's an informative appendix uh, that should be out in the revised version uh, within a couple months. It's out for public review, but they've already developed that. Uh, to get building decarbonization assessment standards together on what that really means when building owners want to go out and get decarbonization assessments. Then probably, you know, the the other big thing that's exciting right now is that ASHRAE and ICC have teamed up with a brand-new standard uh, that we just started late last year, and that's evaluating greenhouse gas and carbon emissions in building design, construction, and operation. It's known as Standard 240, uh, Mm -hmm. proposed, and that committee has also already began work on this, but eventually that probably is going to get into the building codes on how to address and the whole life carbon cycle of a building. So there's a lot of activity happening on our standards front relative to decarbonizing.
0: Yeah, also I mean, that's, that's that's quite a quite a mouthful as a, as a, as you've said of all the different things you're you're going uh, you're involved in. And before you mentioned the uh, um, I think you said 160 volunteers um, yes. working on these. I'm just curious. How, how does that rank with other uh, um, ASHRAE committees or task forces? Would would you say this is the the largest undertaking that ASHRAE uh, has going right now?
1: Well, our epidemic task force had a, oh, a substantial should... number of volunteers. Also, when it came mm-hmm. together, when when COVID happened, and we really needed to get people to act on this. But but we we pull from so many of our technical committees and other volunteers that are in the organization. We we have almost two thousand volunteers on technical committees and project standard project committees. So wow. there's a lot of brain trust within the organization and it's a matter of sometimes just focus on certain things and then they can bring that back to their technical committees and their project committees and they run with it. So right. I think we're really looking at the task force as being a force multiplier within the organization to really make an impact on building decarbonization.
0: Well, it, it seems like, uh, oh, there's just so much going on, I guess. And, uh, Let's see. You just had the mid-year meeting, so the annual meeting is coming up in June, right? So, there's, is there another report uh, delivered at that point?
1: I guess for, uh, for absolutely a another quarter? another report delivered at that meeting. And as I said, we're expecting three more guides right now are scheduled for publication prior to the end of this calendar year. Okay,
0: okay. And and those guides. I'm sorry could you could just reiterate again what the, what those. Three specific subjects would be for, for those guides? Those
1: two of two of the guides center around whole life carbon for mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems or building systems. Um, because we don't have a lot of information in the US or even in Canada right now relative to embodied carbon in mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems. So we're going to get the industry that type of knowledge. The third guide is going to be on our building grid interaction design guide um, on okay. the design strategies to use to make buildings so they can interact with the grid, especially when you're in grids where There's a lot of what i call non-dispatchable renewable energy sources like solar and wind where you know if the sun shines and the wind blows they're great but in the middle of the night it's not it's not so carbon low carbon energy it's going to be a lot sometimes four times more carbon impact on nighttime energy use coming off the electric grid and you know one of the things that's always important in, in understanding all this too is that the electric grid has so much to do even with what we're doing on the building industry that I mean, you know two thirds of all of our carbon emissions in the in the current building and built environment globally are coming from the electric grid. So mm-hmm. electric grid has to decarbonize for the building industry to decarbonize it's it's it goes hand in hand. and what
0: is it I guess the estimate for for buildings
1: themselves account for forty percent, right? of the forty uh... percent of energy related uh, greenhouse gas emissions, yes, okay. okay.
0: Um, well I know your your time's limited here uh, Kent but I, I appreciate it again uh, quite a bit uh, but just one last question I, I kind of feel like almost like any any discussion like this when you talk decarbonization e- even today I guess it, it's sort of a, a gorilla in the room I guess because occasionally you know you see it on social media and whatnot but I also feel like that there's what do you mentioned climate change denial or whatever that that would be kind of threatening to impede or or further delay implementation of, of uh, you know, the task force's recommendation on, on decarbonization strategies, and, and so I, despite overwhelming evidence, as, as we all know, and, and, and it, but admittedly, it's not a unanimous scientific consensus. There is that skepticism and uh, about uh, some areas within our industry, even that dealing with it in the, in the general public is one thing, but how do you handle pushback from like that vocal minority that, that you uh, uh, referred to earlier? Uh, does the task force have a strategy for dealing with that, or, or ultimately does it really come to, I guess, come down to the owners and who's signing the checks? That for do they kind of end the debate when, when they uh, when they ask for uh, for more uh, um,
1: globally sustainable uh, projects? Well, Robert, I certainly appreciate you ending on a very challenging question. <laughs> um, you know, climate change moves so slowly that its pace is really only evident primarily through graphs and t- statistics. And some scientists and policymakers certainly raise concerns about the effects of climate change, might be exaggerated, um, and that the natural cycles are the primary cause of, of warming trend. I, I really we know that there's certainly some evidence to support these claims. And there's no question that some politicians and others that aren't in the know over-exaggerate its specific events and say that's climate change and this is climate change. Everything's blamed on climate change these days. Mm-hmm. But but we know when we look at the scientific evidence, as you said the overwhelming majority really points to human activities as the primary cause of climate change since the industrial age. And atmospheric CO2 emissions, uh, the levels really, you know, they were under 300 ppm for like the 800,000 years that humans existed prior to 1950. 1950, they started to go over 300 ppm. In 2013, they went over 400 ppm. We also know that greenhouse gases trap heat in our atmosphere. So what we've been doing... And and as population has been growing and as we build more buildings, we're scheduled to double the building stock by 2060 globally. I mean, the population will continue to grow when we get to 2050 to be close to 10 billion people on this earth. We need to figure out better ways to do it. And that that's the bottom line. As I said earlier, you know, it, we're in a journey. We have to find reliable and affordable methods to decarbonize. The building industry and the electric generation industry are going to have to work together to optimize what that solution is going to be. And Anyone that tells you that you have all the solutions today, um, they really don't understand, I think, the complex social economic, the geopolitical, energy security concerns surrounding building decarbonization. We're going to need a lot more innovation in the building and energy supply sectors to achieve what the optimal solutions are going to be by 2050. But we got to start today. That's the biggest thing. And when, with respect to those people that are the minority and they're vocal, the building industry is moving forward to address building decarbonization with or without the vocal minority. That that mm-hmm. pretty much that that's been addressed in the last couple of years, and certainly it was on full uh, display at the HR Expo, and right. that we just came to from Atlanta. Manufacturers, mm-hmm. I mean, you go to the conference, everyone. I mean, this this is the issue, and and we will move forward with or without you. So. I mean, if you, you can still be a vocal minority, but the building industry is moving with, without you. We're, we're doing things on the task force to educate our members mm-hmm. to really understand what the issues are, to educate them on that the industry is moving in this direction. And you need to be, if you want to be relevant, then you need to educate yourself on what the tool sets are in order to help decarbonize buildings for the, the clients that you have out there.
0: Well, sure, yeah, and as you say at the AHR Expo, it was basically uh, in every booth there, and every every new product w- was touting sustainability in one way or another. But uh, well, anyway, Ken, thank you so much for your time here today, and uh, um, uh, we wish you continued success in this uh, incredibly busy year you have ahead of you. I'm not sure how you how you have time for uh, for for P2S in, in the middle of, of all this, but uh, I guess it's good that you have an identical twin, right? But
1: that, that's true. And, and you know, when I've found in life when you're passionate about something, you always find the time to make all these things happen in your life. So,
0: well, good. And thank you again for finding time for us today. Um, now, folks, if you like what you heard here today, please hit like and share this with your, your colleagues online. And uh, for more HPAC on the Air podcast, please visit uh, the members only section of our website, hpack.com. In the meantime, thanks again for uh, for joining us today, Ken, and, and uh, stay warm and safe, everybody. Till next time, thanks again for for listening to HPAC on the air.